0: You'll take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 10. As you're turning, let me tell you a story. As I was doing the study, um, there's an illustration that came from a pastor. He said the doorbell rang, and so he got up to walk to the door to answer, and as he was getting closer, he could see two people outside who were dressed nicely and waiting anxiously, And so when the pastor opened the door, the individuals responded very quickly to the pastor, don't worry, we're not from a church, which relieved the pastor of the dread of the coming conversation. Now the question for us is, why would people have to make a statement like, don't worry, I'm not from a church, and why would the pastor so dread the conversation that he thought was coming? Because people, a lot of times, struggle with evangelism. They struggle with how the story is told and what the story that is being told. And so we're going to look this morning, because we're continuing our study with this kingdom renewal, and so we've looked how we need to be more than a moment as a church. We need to be more than maintenance of a church. We need to be a movement, which means that all of us are called to be missionaries. The question is, where is God sending us? And as we look at that, we looked at kingdom repentance of the difference between being sorry for our sins and being repentant of our sins. We looked at kingdom gospel of do we preach the truth? of Christ to ourselves, to each other, and to the lost. And last week, we looked at kingdom prayer, how we are called to cry out to God for all the nations. This isn't our inheritance. This is what he has promised. And so we go to God and we ask him to fulfill his promises. Now, for that to happen, we have to go. So we are going to be looking this morning at Romans 10 verses 15, 11 through 15 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, as we come to this this morning, Lord, this is sometimes an area that we struggle with. Sometimes we're fearful of evangelism. Sometimes we think we don't know what to do and we're fearful of the outcome. But Father, we ask that you would again have us go deeper in our love for you, and to give us that desire to go out to preach the gospel so that others might come and worship you both here and around the world. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So as we were looking at this passage this morning, we're going to kind of flip it. And so we're going to look kind of at the four questions, but we're going to look at them backwards. And so the first thing we're going to see is that we are sent We are sent to go out to be heralds of the word. And so the first thing he tells us is to go. We are to go. Now, again, we get this from the scripture, the ones that we just read, but also from Matthew 28. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." So we are commanded to go. So it's supposed to be the whole church preaching the whole gospel to the whole world. So all of us, no matter who you are, are called to preach the gospel, to go out into the world and to preach it until all might come in. Now we know that God has promised us that someday every knee and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. We have that. It's a promise to us. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." So this is a promise that's given to us to go out, and he tells us, hey, everybody is going to confess. Everybody is going to say that Jesus is Lord. The the question then is, are they going to do it as a willing servant and as a child of God or as a conquered foe? That's the question. So we are commanded to go out. Now, again, that brings some tension sometimes because if we're honest, we look at it and go, well, there's some bad news and there's some good news, right? Well, we're told to be intentional about loving those outside of the church. We are to go. It doesn't say bring them in. It says go to where they are. And so as we're told to go where they are, if we begin to look at it, it can become overwhelming. And only that, if we're honest, the church in the West is dying. It's a, it's a place where churches have now become museums in countries. They become coffee houses. They become nightclubs. They have become big picture and grown. And there's always the opportunity for us to be so consumed about the people within this congregation that we stop looking and ministering to those outside of the congregation. They sometimes come up with false gospels. And so what happens is you're not preaching the real gospel anymore. You're preaching a, a false gospel, gospel. And so people are coming to something that's not even real. There's also the opportunity for moral rebellion. Churches where there's no accountability, where you just get to come and you get to be and do whatever, just continue to live in sin, but just come and give your money because we want to do a few things. And so they look and they exchange momentary pleasures for the truth of the gospel. And so all of that is a part of that, even within the church, let alone outside. And again, if you talk to people again, what do they say? We're going to hell in a handbasket, right? Now turn that around. I want you to flip that. (laughs) I want you to see that as more opportunities as ever before to preach the gospel. You have more opportunities than ever to go out and preach the true gospel because you're out there. You're doing the ministry. You're providing. And here's the, the real cool thing, is God doesn't call you all to be like a Linda Summer. He doesn't call you to go to places where you're going to put your life on the line. She literally puts her life on the line. And I'm like, Linda, what are you doing? That's crazy. And then she'll tell me. She goes, well, Jeff, God's going to take care of me. Well, yeah, but he tells us, okay, I'll trust you, and year after year, week after week, she keeps telling stories, and she keeps coming back alive, and I'm just like, God, that's an incredible story. And we get that. We have to believe that God is bigger and does the impossible. You know what's been really cool? The things that have been latest to me that's been told to me about people, they've been young people, people in sixth grade and younger who are going to their teachers and talking to Jesus. People who have gone up to strangers out on the street and talking to them and giving their testimony and asking them if they know Jesus as their Savior. And again, as adults, we're like, that's crazy. You don't do that. The kids don't know any better. They're just like, they, we tell them, hey, you're supposed to love Jesus. And what do they do? They go out and love Jesus. Then we go, well, you probably shouldn't have done that. No, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be saying how God has changed us. And listen, God tells you start where you're at. You don't have to go out. To, to Africa. You don't have to go out to all these different places. And listen, the reality is um, a lot of times it's easier to talk people into going and being missionaries to Africa than to have people come into your home. Statistically, that's true. The church today lacks in hospitality. And so people would rather go to other places than to open their home for people to come in and get to know them and to eat with them and to know them and yet i'm telling you this is what people are struggling with just last night as i was flipping through and i'll admit it i was flipping through games and i happened to stop on a news story and it was talking about um, young people who are moving to new cities for jobs and are so lonely And it was talking about the the bad things of then going to bed and looking at Facebook and and, uh, Instagram and all these kind of things before they go to bed because it feeds their suicidal thoughts. We have hope. We're the ones who are called to go out and to meet these people and to encourage them. If there's new people at your jobs, invite them over. If there are new people in your neighborhood, invite them over. If there's new people that you see in the surrounding, invite them over, get to know them, because God uses that as part of your going. And so God says to go and to preach the gospel no matter where you're at. So that brings up the question, so then what's the gospel? Now I want you to understand, you are God's spokesman, because here it says in the, in the scripture, it says, um, it talks about preachers. Now, if you do a word study, that word for preacher in the Bible means herald. It's not talking about paid workers to go out and preach the gospel. It's talking about everyone to be a herald. And so as a herald, we are called to be God's spokesman, which means we speak the word of the master. We only speak what God tells us to speak. And so again, you're not having to make this up. And again, we understand what this is like. I say to Jameson a a lot of times, go and tell your sisters, this is what dad said. This isn't Jameson. This is what dad said needs to happen with the house before someone comes over. Because if Jameson goes, then what happens to Jameson? That's how his sisters are. You need to pray for us more. No, they're not bad. But they look and they go to Jameson and they'll go, is this from you or is this from dad? Now think about that because what God calls us to do is to be his heralds. He tells us only speak what I've told you to speak. And only that, remember this, we're not the ones doing evangelism then. He is. He's the one who's doing evangelism. Now again, if I'm honest, if we're honest, are there fears? Sometimes they come up with this, okay? We've all heard the statement, don't kill the messenger, right? So back in times when they would send the messenger from the king to the defeated party or to to talk about uh, terms of surrender or terms of war or whatever it might be, the messenger, how did he usually end up with the answer going back? His head's cut off. Now, how many people stepped up to be the messenger of the king? So I get it, there are... fears that come there are fears legitimately that where we're scared we're fear of rejection fear of not fitting in sometimes we have a we don't think that we're trained properly listen and i don't know if this is um this is a book i found and it says these are the 10 top things of what people are afraid of in sharing uh the gospel we're afraid of how others are going to respond to us we have a fear of failure we have a fear of having people see through us we have fear of not having the right answer We have fear of having character flaws. We have fear of doing something we're not gifted at doing. We have a fear of being embarrassed. We have a fear of speaking to strangers. We have a fear of getting tongue tied and saying the wrong thing. We have a fear of being corrupted by hanging out with unbelievers. Top 10 fears of why people don't, and I don't know where they got this from, but it was a list. And I'm sure you can add more. There are legitimate fears that people have, and they go, I can't give the gospel presentation. And maybe you think you can't give the gospel presentation because you think the gospel is irrelevant. What does this have to do with real life? I told you, as I talked to, to one of the kids in our church um, as a teenager, and we were just one-on-one and asking, I, I said, um, do you not understand that, that Christ is your Savior? And he says, what does he need to save me from? I have everything in this world that I need. I, I don't need Jesus. So at that point, he needs to hear the gospel. <laughs> Because the message is always relevant to the world. The gospel is always there because, again, we have this temptation to try to make the gospel something not. When we make the gospel something not, it's no longer the gospel. See, the gospel is a thing that's always relevant. Why? Because what's the problem? Sin! And everyone has it. Always has been and always will be. So sin is always the problem, and Christ will always be the answer. And so what happens is God comes in and he says, I want you to preach the gospel. And the gospel is, first of all, it's universal. It says, there's no Jew or Greek. It's for everyone. It's for white people, it's for black people, it's for every nation, every tribe. It's for every economic group. It's for everyone. Jesus didn't die for just a specific people. He didn't just die for Presbyterians. He didn't just die for Baptists. He didn't just die for Pentecostals. He died for those who would give their life to Christ. And he says it's going to go out into the whole world. Every tribe and nation and tongue will be a part of the church. So quit thinking in distinctions because the gospel is for all. Not only that, he says it's sufficient. It's a perfect sacrifice. Christ came and gave his perfect life one time on the cross one time and he paid for the sins past the sins present and the sin futures for the sins that you're aware of and the sins that you're not aware of he paid for them all and he does it because he loves us he didn't start loving us at the cross he loved us before the foundation of the world before he ever created you he loved you and again we should never ever be in a place where we don't think that we are the most important person in the world because God says we are So quit listening to the world. Quit thinking that you're alone. Quit thinking that people don't care about you. God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, knows you by name and he prays for you by name. And he says, my gift of my son was sufficient for you, a one perfect sacrifice. And not only that, he says it's accessible, it's accessible through the blood that Jesus shed. Listen, he took hell for you. And again, I can't say this enough. For those that are Christians, this world is as much hell as we'll ever endure. This is the only time where we'll deal with people who don't like us. People who send bad letters to us. People who make fun of us. People who uh, say hard things to us. This is the only place where we'll hear that in heaven. We're going to be perfect. We're going to love perfectly. This is the only place where bombs land on people. Where wars happen. So this is the extent of our hell. Because Christ endured hell on our behalf. And then he gives to us his righteousness. And he says, come home to perfection and love everlasting. But make no mistake, if you are not a Christian, this is as much heaven as you'll ever get. Because you'll find people who say they love you and care for you and give money to you and bring you into their home and mend you and take care of you. that's not what's going to happen in hell. It's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so all of this is a part of the story that we get to go out and herald that Jesus Christ, the perfect, 100% God, 100% man, lived a perfect life that we couldn't, to give his life as a ransom on the cross, to pay for it in blood, to restore us to a right relationship, and he gives to us his righteousness. So when God looks at me, he sees Jesus, not Jeff. Because Jeff can't get into heaven. Only when Jesus allows me to come through him. That's the gospel. And it's simple. But it's overwhelming. And we're told to go and herald to tell others about the good news that God has given to us. Now I understand there's fears. So what's the why behind us going? And the why behind we're going is because we're enabled by the Spirit. See, God has given to us this gift and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can only do what God the Father and God the Son has told it to do. It can only speak scripture. It can only point us back to the truth. And so we have been given, first of all, the prayer. And we read about this and learned about this last week. The kingdom prayer. Remember what Archie Paris said? Um, I've given you this definition, so if you need it, um, please come to me and I'll send it to you. But it was also on your bulletins last week. Kingdom-focused prayer is not mere instinct, but it's spirit-enabled. It's not man-centered, it's God-centered. It's not self-serving, it's kingdom-serving. It's not sentimental, it's scriptural. It's not solo, but concerted. Not timid, but bold. Not passive resignation, but proactive cooperation. Kingdom-focused prayer is a spirit-enabled, reverent cry of God's adoptive sons and daughters seeking their Father's glory by persistently asking Him for the nations, their promised inheritance. That's what he's given to us. Because remember, I told you, prayer is the work. Prayer's the work. Because evangelism is always a team effort. And remember, this is something that Jesus gave before he was about to go to the cross. It was the burden on his heart to his Father. What I care more for anything is for you to be glorified, Father, but for you to save these people through me. So Father, go and bring the people that you have given to me, bring them home to you so they might be one. And how do you do that? Well, you have to love. You have to love because here's here's the reality. Fear and guilt will get you to do some things, but it won't get you to do it constantly. It won't it definitely won't be your heart thing. And we all know this, especially if you live like in a city that's far away from your grandparents or whatever. And so sometimes it's that strained thing and your parents say, now go say thank you to your grandmother for that and go give her a kiss. What? Do what? You go, you heard me, you go do that because you love her. So they do it, right? Because they know if you don't, you start looking at me you go, if you don't do this, then I'm going to take away the toy that they just gave you. Guilt and fear. Thanks, Grandma. Heartfelt? No. So fear and guilt only go so far. Love. That's a totally different thing. If you love the grandparents, they they could bring you a bottle cap. And you would run up and, thank you. You are so blessed, Grandma. You're the grandma above grandmas because I love you. And you're so giving this bottle cap of which I got no drink. But it's Love. And so we have love first of all for God. So we have love for his glory. We want him to be glorified in all things more than anything. When you're in love with someone and you are so in love with them, you want them to be noticed by everybody. Doesn't she look good? She's beautiful. She's so gorgeous. Did I tell you this is my wife? She's wonderful. You told us 20 times. Well, I'm just telling you again. We do that. Why is it any different than our relationship with God the Father? Let me tell you, the person who saved me, who loved me before the foundation of the world, the one who, who names the planets, knows me by name and has counted the hairs on my head, and he prays for me, and he gave me his son who he didn't have to, and that son loved me so much he gave his life, and not only that, he gave me the Holy Spirit who lives within me, and I get to speak to God the Father, and I don't have to go through anyone. I get to go and I get to call him Daddy. Oh man, he's awesome. And let me tell you about him. So we have a love for the father because we are adopted in his family and he loves with an everlasting love and a perfect love. And then what he does, is he says, when you begin to love me that way, love other people. So he told us last week, he said, love the church. But they also said, love the world. Go out into the world. And this means, listen, hang out with non-Christians. Hang out with non-Christians. Not your whole life doesn't have to be about Bible study. Take your Bible study to non Christians. Go and lead. Go where they are. And as you have the opportunity, then invest in them. Love them. Get to know them by name. Again, I've, I've given you this example, but um, I wanted someone praying for every teenager I had out in Colorado, and so I, I had people pick up names. And I had tons of people say, I'm not called to youth ministry. I don't like youth ministry. I don't like youth. I don't like kids. I don't like them. I go, "Well, that's okay. You don't have to like them. Just pray for them. And I don't want you just to pray for youth ministry as a big umbrella. Here's 10 kids I want you to pray for by name. Just pray for them by name. The people who took the names were the ones who were my biggest advocate for youth ministry because they started talking to the kids and asking and saying, what can I pray for? And it wasn't, it wasn't the most gifted all the time. It wasn't the most the, the people who had the most money. It was a lot of times some of the older people in the congregation who said, well, I can't do much, but I'll pray for them. And my students would come back and go, hey, do you know that Miss Susie was praying for me and she asked how I was doing? I said, yeah, she prays for you every day. Man, incredible. Invest in them, love them, but go where they are. Go where they are. Go to where they're safe. Go to where they feel secure. Don't always think it's inviting them back here. Go to where they are. Go to their games. Go to their activities. Go to their bingo things. Go to the, take them to lunches. Do whatever you think, but go with them and invest your life with them. And then the last thing to remember and love, love God's promises. He told us very specifically that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. You got to hear a true life example from Linda Summer today of someone who goes to the very gates of hell. And she's telling you, God does the impossible. Where man says no, God says yes. That's a promise. And take that back to God. Remind God, hey, you said you're going to be with me. Matthew 28, you said you're going to be with me till the very ends of the earth. I need you. Romans, you said you will never leave me nor forsake me. I need you. He says, I never left. So trust the promises of God and then go out in faith. Because as he says, God's with me, the Holy Spirit's presence is with you. And he's given to you his power. Again, the resurrection power, that that raised Jesus from the dead, is what is inside of you. And so again, if we ask the question, who's equal to the task to go out and preach the gospel? I'm afraid. Yeah, you're right. You're not equal to the task. Yeah, they might make fun of you. Yeah, maybe you should be scared. But then say, God, not what I want, what you want. Not my words, your words. And then say, here I am. Send me. You're the missionary. you're told to go to herald the good news but you've been given the spirit and you've been given the power so that the people when they come and they will look at you and they go how beautiful how beautiful are your feet because they brought you here to me so that i too might hear the gospel and i might come and worship jesus as you do thank you god allows us to be a part of that So be about kingdom evangelism. You are the missionary. You are the herald. So preach the good news to everyone that you have opportunity to. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we trust in the promises that you are with us, that you go before us, that you prepare hearts. Are you allow us to be the ones to plant the seed. Or you allow us the ones to be the ones to water it. Or you are the ones that allow us to see the harvest. But Lord, you tell us to continually go out and to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. But Lord, we are fearful sometimes. And so Lord, help our unbelief. Help, help us to live in faith and not in fear that we might go out. Because Lord, you truly are the answer to what this world is looking for. And yes, there are scary places in dark places. And Lord, if we're honest, Lord, there are so many of our brothers and sisters that have lost their lives for you. Others who have been put into prison never to see their families again. And Lord, that scares us. But Lord, if we don't go, who will? If we don't tell, who will? And not because we're fearful or scared of what you might do, but because we love you because you first loved us. And so, Father, give us eyes to see and hearts to understand. And then, Lord, give us that joy and that, Lord, that just that yearning to go and to preach the gospel to everyone. And then we leave it up to you to change hearts. So, Lord, thank you for the gospel message that brings us here this morning, that allows us to give you all glory and praise. For we pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. amen.